Hello everybody. I found it interesting at the weekend to watch the way in which the two big sides in La Liga, biggest sides in La Liga, played and how their performances were greeted. Um, on Wednesday I was sitting with Robert Moreno, the ex-assistant coach of Luis Enrique, particularly at Barcelona where they won the treble, ex-Spain coach. He's clearly been at Granada and Monaco too. And he was very forceful in his view that the media reception for the way that Barcelona drew at home nil-nil to Rayo Vallecano and the way in which Madrid were written about by football journalists were unnecessarily disparate. And he felt that lots of the analysis was result-based, something that's a real swear word, it's resultadista making all your analysis of a performance or a club or how a team is is playing based upon the result. Well, I very strongly plead not guilty to that. And in my case, I argued things out with Robert about how genuinely poor I thought Barcelona were. Take the statistics away about how many time Rayo's keeper um, saved them. And there were three really big occasions when he produced good work. If you understand fully, and I think that many of you who, who communicate with me either here as socios or in general responding to big interview podcasts, sometimes simply those who involve themselves on, on Twitter, many of you really do understand that while Barcelona want results and they want trophies, for Xavi it's about how they play, you know, the speed with which they think, the, their positioning during a game, their their movement of the ball, he's not identical to Pep Guardiola, but they come from exactly the same school in terms of how they want um, speed of movement of passing to dizzy and to dismay opponents. And they came nowhere near that. And what's more, it wasn't simply taking three touches or having slow heads on, on the night. There were a lot of players who weren't paying attention to basic tenets. So with Real Madrid having been in Helsinki, having had quite a short pre-season in terms of how many matches are in their legs and in terms of recovery time from what was a big performance, I thought, in Helsinki against a difficult opponent. No doubt that as good as Almeria were for the first 45-50 minutes, Eintracht Frankfurt were a distinctly more testing rival and therefore, given that Real Madrid made lots of mistakes and, and didn't play superbly. I thought it was important the way that they found, they conjured up a means of, of winning. And there was one big detail that stood out to me about how Real Madrid won. And that's why I chose this subject for my ESPN FC column, which I'm really pleased to le- read to you. And I particularly like to say thanks to Tom Lee, who's who gets in touch and, and says the, the kindest things about this means of of bringing ideas to you, communicating with you. I enjoy reading it. Therefore, with very little extra prevarication, here it is. When Real Madrid's second goal went in at Almeria on Sunday night, Davide Ancelotti was up and off the away team bench like an Olympic sprinter erupting from his blocks. It made a great image too, 
As the stadium reacts to David Alaba's wondrous free kick, which put the Spanish champions 2-1 up, sealing another of their famous fight-back remontadas, Ancelotti Jr. is roaring up at the heavens, knees bent, arms pumping towards the sky, leaning backwards until he's practically doubled up. This is a man completely consumed by joy and vindication. The backstory goes exactly like this. Despite making five changes to the team which won the European Super Cup over Eintracht Frankfurt in midweek, Los Blancos had been sluggish and ragged in their La Liga opener, especially when falling behind to a superb counter-attack goal early on. Post-match, Carlo Ancelotti reckoned that we started badly, it became a complicated match and we weren't fresh enough to play with real speed up front. It was tough to score our goals. Almeria, the promoted champions of the Segunda División, were playing well and repelling Madrid's efforts with total confidence. So much so that even after Lucas equalised on the hour, Los Blancos were still tied 1-1 with 15 minutes left, 15 minutes after they scored the equaliser. On the sidelines, the Ancelotti's, 63-year-old father Carlo, and Davide, his bright, talented 33-year-old son, had concluded together that it was time to introduce David Alaba, plus they were toying with the idea of adding Casemiro. Alaba, the scorer of Madrid's opening goal against Frankfurt in Helsinki on Wednesday night, was ready first. He received detailed tactical instructions from Ancelotti Jr. and was prowling the touchline for nearly two minutes before there was a break in play which enabled him to sub in. And it was a break that came thanks to Rodrigo Eli fouling Luka Modric on the edge of the Almeria penalty area. Rather stupidly, it proved. Yes, it was definitely injudicious by the Brazilian who protested both to the referee and to the Madrid midfielder trying to establish a defendant's case that he wasn't guilty of obstruction and putting forward the idea that Modric had dived over his outstretched thigh. Ellie also tried to haul Modric up off the ground. In fact, there was a spark of accusation and counter-accusation, all of which turned out to be no more than a sideshow distraction. The real action was happening on the touchline. Young Ancelotti hustled over to his father and demanded three things. Firstly, that Alaba be subbed on immediately. Secondly, that they didn't wait for Casemiro to be ready to replace Tony Kroos. And thirdly, that the two nominated free kick takers, Kroos and Benthema, both of whom were already hovering over the dead ball situation, be told that it had to be Alaba who would take it. The debate between Ancelotti lasted less than five seconds. Delegated authority was granted and Ancelotti Jr. told Alaba that he should head directly to the free kick and tell his two world-class teammates, both of whom have been at the club many years more than the one-season Austrian, that he was about to take charge. They could both stand down. If you rewatch the moments prior to Alaba's technically perfect left-footed, match-winning free-kick, you'll see that there's a little bit of persuasion needed. Tony Cross looks unconvinced. But Benzema is the first to accede to the young Ancelotti's orders, and gradually 
the German follows suit. What Davide Ancelotti had correctly deduced was that the specific location of the set piece, about 15 feet outside the Almeria penalty area and to the right as Madrid attacked, was inch perfect for a specialist left footer to bend one from inside to outside and attempt to find the top left corner of Fernando Martinez's goal. What Ancelotti Sr. had risked was the level of respect that this hard-nosed, ultra-competitive Madrid squad had for his son. Carlo had risked the chance that Alaba, perhaps cold from only having just trotted onto the pitch, might fluff the free kick with a quarter of an hour left, leaving the team and fans frustrated, also leaving Cross and Benzema, two exceptional options in dead ball situations, nursing a grudge at having been overlooked. When the football eventually curves rather beautifully on a left-to-right trajectory and deflects off the inside of the post, I mean, it was literally impossible to save, then, of course, the true hero is Alaba, the man who took it. I would note that when Alaba was still at Bayern, he explained how he won this technique. He said, I'd begun working on my free kicks from a very young age. Mehmet Scholl, the legendary set-piece scorer for Bayern, was my coach in the reserve team, and he made a lot of time for me. That really helped me refine my technique. Then Lewandowski and I often stayed out on the training pitch during the week, practising free kicks for 20 minutes, at least, often half an hour. Nevertheless, if Alaba is the genuine hero, there was cause for Ancelotti Jr.'s extravagant celebration. Talented though he is, top of the class in both his UEFA B and UEFA A licence exams, and increasingly experienced though he is, having assisted his prodigiously successful father at Madrid back in 2013 until 2015, plus Bayern Munich, Napoli, Paris Saint-Germain and Everton, there's always a conscious and subconscious perception of nepotism when you're the boss's son. In this instance, his clarity of thought his willingness to be bold, and the strength of his work relationship, not only with his father, but with Alaba, Cross, and Benzema, all ultimately led to Madrid's winner. It reminds me of a response Danny Alves gave when we were filming an interview together. I asked him why his diminutive physique hadn't been a barrier to becoming a world-class footballer. In Spanish, he answered simply, Fútbol es para listos. Effectively, it means... Football's a sport that allows the smart guy to thrive. I recycled that expression, that Danny Alves quote, in midweek while interviewing Casemiro about Alaba's previous goal, which was the tap-in to put Madrid 1-0 up against a hard-working, high-pressing and threatening Eintracht Frankfurt in the Finnish capital. Casemiro was the man of the match that night and was therefore delivered to our studio in the Olympic Stadium to have a five-minute chat about the win. The point about putting Dani Alves' football as paralistos quote to Casemiro was that, notwithstanding his outstanding performance in defensive midfield all night, he'd been Johnny on the spot with his perfect assist to Alaba. Coincidentally, that goal was also the fruit of good preparation and conviction from Davide Ancelotti. His analysis of Frankfurt suggested that they were vulnerable on the back post from set plays, particularly corners. Therefore, Carlo Ancelotti had asked Casemiro to position himself around Kevin Trapp's back post, 
whenever the opportunity arose. In the end, there was an element of fortune that Benzema's header deflected up towards that area, but as Carlo Ancelotti stated post-match, Casemiro was there to take advantage specifically because of how we'd planned things. So back to the interview, I told the man of the match, you were pretty listo there when you reacted first and punished your marker for dozing off on the second post. Casemiro answered, I was about to use the chance to put a header on goal when I glimpsed Alaba on his own and he had an easier chance to score than me. The key to the goal and the key to how we work at Madrid is that if a teammate is in a better position, you have to give him the ball. So I did. Look, these two examples of good decision-making and fast thinking might seem basic to you, and fair enough if they do. But to conclude, here are a couple of examples from across the weekend when things did not work out this way. Think of the shock result at the camp now, where a tooled-up Barcelona side only drew nil-nil with Rayo. And, in particular, think about the counter-attack for Andoni Iraola's side just before half-time, which could, and should, have put them 1-0 up. Álvaro García has fooled Ronald Araujo, putting the Uruguayan right down on his backside, and the striker is now one-on-one against goalkeeper Mark andre Ter Stegen, but fellow Rayo striker Sergio Camelo is nearby, about 15 metres away, begging for the ball. Even with Eric García covering the goal line, the chances of Camelo scoring are about 100 times greater if the ball is squared to him. Alvaro ignores his teammate, Ter Stegen saves, and Rayo only get a point from their superb performance. There were other examples of ego beating street smarts in La Liga. But to underline the value and the importance of Madrid's ethos in both of the goals I've highlighted, just take a look at the other two examples from each end of the spectrum. Perpetually dysfunctional Paris Saint-Germain and clever old Osasuna. In the first case, admittedly while beating Montpellier 5-2, Kylian Mbappe infamously stops his run, stands on his own complaining and fails to aid a terrific attack when Vitinho chooses not to pass to the Frenchman. Moreover, the agitated, out-of-sorts striker tries to take the ball off Neymar when Paris Saint-Germain get a second penalty, Mbappe having failed to score with the first one they were awarded. Now these two men are embroiled in a needless, damaging social media spat. That's an example of when listos don't make the right decisions. Back in Spain, however, Osasuna also showed that football is for the smart guys. Last season, Chimi Avila and Anti Budimir famously wrestled, literally, over who should take a penalty at Elche and their Osasuna teammates had to step in so that common sense could reign. Stroppy Chimi was told to behave, Budimir took it and scored. On Friday night, Osasuna were awarded a controversial spot kick against Sevilla. Budimir was still on the bench, while Chimi Avila was playing and had scored. But this time, the team acted as one and elected 20-year-old debutant Aymar Oroth, who they knew was a specialist and they knew possessed a cool-as-a-cucumber mentality despite his young age and lack of first-team experience. The kid, born and bred in Pamplona, academy-produced, scored. Osasuna won. 
Football there was for the smart guys. Like Davide Ancelotti, Casemiro, and by association, Alaba, Benzema, and Tony Cross. Long may it stay that way too.